This is an interview with striker bassist Pete Klassen on Sunday, January 9th, 2022 by Nick Burkell. Now, Pete, can you tell me about getting your very first bass guitar? Ooh, my very first bass guitar was uh, somebody gave it to me and it was just a huge piece of garbage. Um, I don't even know what make it was. It had it didn't have anything on the headstock. It was missing strings. The strings that were on it were just rust buckets. Um, I went and I bought a pair of strings, put it on it, and uh, just kind of messed around on it with uh, all my friends. We were trying to, you know, trying to make noise, right? But um, yeah, my very first bass guitar was a no-name, a no-name piece of trash. <laughs> I see. Now, did you take any classes in school, private tutors? or 10 private conservatories to develop yourself as a musician? Well, I never went um, as, you know, as, as heavy duty as a conservatory or anything like that. I mean, I took your average uh, band class in high school. Um, but when it comes to um, actual training, I did attend a, a talent school that was, um, there were classes for acting, voiceover, singing, um, performance and even modeling actually <laughs> so um, a little bit of that yeah so i went to i went to a talent school what was uh, your, your favorite thing about the talent school that like you learned or picked up there well at that point i was really focusing on vocals um doing a lot of vocal stuff so um the vocal classes were wonderful um and the performance was great too you know just how to uh you know you you're on stage, you're, uh, you're trying to get people riled up and have a good time, right? And just, um, you know, how to be that guy that on the stage that everybody's supposed to be looking at, right? Um, I really enjoyed both of those parts of the school very much. What kinds of opportunities are available for Canadian musicians compared to uh, American musicians? Oh, wow, these are good questions. Um, well... I guess I've never been an American musician. Um, so uh, there are, there's a pretty robust grant program in Canada where, um, and we've been partially funded by some of them in the past before I even joined the band or after I joined the band as well. Um, so our government does support the arts to a certain extent. Um, there is a quite a bit of work that you have to do to get um, accepted into these programs. You have to write big grant proposals and you have to have a, um, a real balanced budget sheet and a, a solid plan moving forward for them to accept you and fund you. But um, there are programs available like that for artists throughout Canada. Wow. Now, can you give me a rundown on your musical history? At the very beginning, nobody's going to know any of these. Um, I, I started out in a we just wanted to be the craziest thrash band in our little area of uh, British Columbia. We were in a band called Skulldozer. Um, we didn't we didn't do very very much because we were I think we were a little more interested with just being crazy guys. Then I moved on to a band called Sacred Ally from Calgary. Um, I, my first band, Skulldozer, I was guitar and vocals, and then I moved on to bass and backup vocals in Sacred ally for ooh, three or four years i suppose a couple of small tours in canada then i put together a very short project with some friends in calgary alberta as well called pearl reckless um and actually one of our very first shows was with striker 
in a very small town between Edmonton and Calgary called Red Deer. Um, that was one of the first dealings I had with Stryker and the boys in Stryker. Um, they were just starting up at that time, I think. And um, we gigged with them a few times. After that, I took off to Japan and joined a bunch of bands in Japan. Uh, one of them called Silex was a very neoclassical kind of shred power metal project. Um, and we saw some some success over there. Then I also put together a sort of a, a comedic band with like adult humor sort of thing um, with some ex-members of Sex Machine Guns in Japan. And we were called Tokyo Spandex, very, uh, very 80s glam rock style um, music with a sort of a dirty humor tinge to it. Um, and then I came back to Canada and joined Stryker. Wow. Um, pretty much it. Finish what you were going to say, though. Oh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think. So, I mean, there was there's been, especially in the Japan times, there was a lot of um, one-off shows, festivals, um, just showing up as a single artist. Um, also, I did a lot of um, jingles for TV commercials. Um, a lot of sing. I, I sang a song for a professional wrestler over there. Uh, some video game music. The newest. Uh, what was it? Uh, Fist of the North Star game released from Sega. I sang the theme song for that. Um, and just a whole bunch of uh, one-offs from from an agency that I was working for uh, in Japan at that time. Now, like you spent five years in Japan from 2013 to 2018. I guess, what did you love the most about being part of the industry there? It all, the whole Japanese metal thing really fired me up um, quite a quite a bit of time before I actually made it over there. Um, I, I kind of found, I made a, a Japanese friend in, in British Columbia here in Canada who got me really excited about a couple of uh, Japanese metal bands, uh, X Japan, Loudness, Saber Tiger, Sex Machine Guns, to be a little more specific. Um, and I got really excited about it, and it just seemed so far away to me. Like, I mean, I could, I felt like I could go to the UK and see Iron Maiden or see them when they came here or... You know, some some of my favorite Finnish bands, if they came to Canada or the States, maybe I could go see them there. But Japan just seemed so so much more exotic and far away to me. Um, they were singing in a different language, which I found fascinating. Um, turns out Japanese has a very rhythmic um, set to its phonetics anyway. So I, I found that that fit really interesting in an interesting way with the music. Um, and I just kind of followed, followed that. Um, I guess all the way to Japan. <laughs> I'm an American and not quite knowledgeable about the history of the judo awards. What does it mean <laughs> as a musician to be recognized by them? Oh, it's fantastic. Um, I guess in Canada, that's the, um, that's like our Grammys, I suppose. I think that's pretty much the highest music award you could, I mean, a, people like us could wish for. Um, it, it's pretty humbling, really, especially if you look at the roster of some of the other musicians who have, pulled home uh, Junos over the years, it's like, wow. It's kind of a, a humbling feeling to be on that roster. So what was it like um, becoming a member of Stryker? That was like around 2019, right? I joined the very beginning of 2019. Yeah, that's right. So like, um, um, what were like the rehearsal sessions like for you and things like that? Um, Everything was... 
at the time I was really going through a pretty intense reverse culture shock from being um, in Japan almost exclusively for for quite a few years. So everything was a bit of getting used to Canadian life again for me. Um, so going through that through everything was a bit of an experience, but um, it was really perfect timing because I'd come back from Japan wondering, oh boy, what am I going to do? I've just had a really good run in Japan. Um, now what am I going to do in Canada, you know, as an artist, as a musician? Um, and I really wasn't sure where I would be finding myself, what sort of opportunities there were going to be. But I knew I wanted to go to Edmonton because most of my contacts in music um, from Edmonton had, you know, found themselves going out around the world. I have friends in um, another band, The Order of Chaos. Uh, a couple of those guys are really good friends of mine. And they'd been out around the world. And I thought, you know, there's must there's got to be something to, about Edmonton. You know, a lot of these musicians are they're getting out and they're going on big tours and um, they're doing really amazing things. So there must be something about that city. I'm going to move back there instead of Calgary when I came back to Canada. Um, and it was just perfect timing. I was uh, I'd only been back here for maybe a couple months, opened Instagram, and I saw that Stryker had parted ways with the former bassist, Bill. And I just contacted Tim and I said, hey, Tim, um, you guys doing auditions? And he says, well, you can play bass. Because, I mean, I'd been doing vocals for so long. And I was like, yeah, you know, I it's, it's been a little while, but I'm sure I could uh, I'm sure I could pick it back up. So he says, all right, uh, learn learn three songs and come to our next rehearsal. And um, I mean, I was back in Canada, did not really knowing where I was going to be going next. So I really wanted the gig. And plus, I'd, I'd kind of been following the boys for from afar in Japan. They're watching the band grow and been really impressed with what they've been doing. Always loved the music. Um, it's some of my favorite type of metal. So I learned all 15 songs from the set list and showed up and I was like, here, you know, this is how bad I want to play with you guys, right? Can you give me a rundown on like uh, some of that set list? Oh, sure. What was the set list at that time? Jeez, there's a few in there that we're not playing now. I know Locked In was in there, um, which is one that I don't think I have ever played live. Oh, maybe once or twice. There were a few older ones. Um, oh, Locked In, there was some new stuff from Play to Win, Head First. Heart of Lies. Uh, On the Run wasn't in there yet, I don't think. Or maybe it was. Jeez, that one. I think I think Forever was in there. I'm trying to think of some of the more rare ones that you don't that we don't always play live. All the hit ones, you know, the, the big top Spotify ones that you know my biggest chunk of attention. Uh, I I do know the one that sticks out to me the most is probably locked in because I think that's the one I've played least live that has been in the set list since I've joined. What was going on with Stryker as he prepared to record the Alive in the Studio album for 2020? Well, that I, I believe that was just shortly after. No, that wasn't even the same year. That was 2019. That's right. Um, well, I was very fresh. I think what we wanted to do was um, we were recording our rehearsals anyway. So we figured maybe we'd, you know, beef it up and make it something that was worth showing people. Um, we'd had a couple of new members, so it wasn't just me at that time. Uh, Jono had also joined on drums. So I think part of it was probably, um, you know, solidifying the new lineup. 
um, releasing some content that was, you know, so there's older songs that are obviously going to have a, excuse me, a newer sound than when they were re uh, released 10 or so years ago, right? So it was a bit, bit of a revisit to some old stuff. Um, and just to release some content to kind of show, you know, how we rehearse, you know, given the set list that we that we've been playing for a while. Right now, why just release a single as opposed to like an EP or full length as you're getting ready for a spring tour with dates in Canada as well as the States? Well, um, it's not to say that we don't have anything else in the works. We were playing around with the idea of um, just releasing singles consecutively for a while. Um, but uh, we do have other stuff. It's just um, waiting for the right time. I find it a little paradoxical how you title your new single Death Wish, and I feel two distinct emotions listening to it. Tell me how that song okay. developed. You know, that might be a better question for Dan. Um, he was the main lyric writer. Yeah. He's the main lyricist, right? Um, he may have, I don't want to go and you know put words in his mouth um, when he might have something he, want, he would want to say about that. I might, I might want to leave that one for Dan. Okay, well, on that yeah. note then... How much of a Charles Bronson fan are you? Charles Bronson. I haven't seen an actual Death Wish movie since, oh man, I must have been so young. So not huge, but I do love action movies and I have respect for Charles Bronson, yes. Okay, well, heads up, man, straight up. The first one is obviously the best, but check out the third one too, because they fire a bazooka in it and they also have Barbie Wilde from Hellraiser 2. So, I mean, it's oh. just... I don't know. I feel like any movie where they fire bazookas in it, like, say, Deadly Outlaw Recca or something like that, I, I always get a yeah. kick out of it. Right, right. Those are great. Those are great movies. Even, like, old Commando or Raw Deal, if you were going Schwarzenegger style. Yeah. By the way, uh, are you much of a Yakuza movie fan? Um, I watched Outrage. Um, quite a few times. I, I'm a big, more than Yakuza movie fan, I'm more of a um, Takeshi Kitano hmm. fan, I suppose you could say. What kind of set list do you have planned for the upcoming tour? Ooh, I don't know how much I can say about that just yet. But, you know, we, we want some of it to be a bit of a surprise, I think, too, right? Um, I don't want to leak too much of that out just yet. But it will be a set of bangers for sure. Some of the usual favorites that if you're going to a striker concert, you would expect to hear. And if you didn't, you'd be like, oh, but also we like to pepper in a couple here and there that we haven't played for a while or, you know, in all our comment sections, there's a lot. Sometimes there's people say, oh, you didn't play this or you got to play that or we want to hear this. Um, so we try to listen to that a little bit, too, and pepper in a couple of the more unexpected ones as well. Now, you have any interesting merch you want to plug for the tour? Sure. We're going to have some cool stuff. Um, if you look on our online shop, you can see what's already released. Um, the Grim Shredder T-shirt has been a favorite. Same with the On the Run shirt with the dinosaur and the sports car as well as the cyber wolf. So those are three, well, they're not super new anymore, but they're, they're kind of new hot items. And then we will 
likely be releasing a pretty exciting new tour t-shirt as well. What are your three most cherished albums in your personal collection? Of anything? Um, Yeah, yeah. Just like, um, I don't know, it'd be awesome to hear about like uh, some foreign pressings or or things like that. Mm, So my three favorite albums. Okay. One, not necessarily in any order. One would be Cacophony, Speed Metal Symphony. Um, another Judas Priest, Unleashed in the East, the 1979 Live in Japan album. Sex Machine Guns, Made in Japan. Awesome. Now, what would be your favorite urban legend or ghost story from either Canada or Japan? Ooh, urban legend story. Um, does it have to be an urban legend, or can it be a, a, a historical story? If it's fun, tell it. I'm a big fan of a character from Japanese history whose name is Sen no Rikyu, and basically, what he was, he was an artist. And his art medium was the tea ceremony, which was um, it was very it was a huge art form in in Japan, Ooh, er, not super ancient Japan, but not super modern either. Um, and he was um, at the time there was a lot going on politically with uh, few, kind of feudal states and whatnot, and um, the leader who was trying to unite the country tried to use his, his form of art kind of to influence politics and the artist Riku wouldn't have any of that. He stood firm and said no to the, basically the leader of Japan. No, my art is not to be used for dirty politics. That's not what it's for. Um, And because of that, his defiance to the leader he was um he had to lose his life for this so he basically put his life on the line to say no art is not to be used for um, for dirty politics and i find that story rather inspiring would you like to go back to any questions oh boy um maybe after i hear my answers i'll phone you up and be like yeah hey, can i re-answer that one Final Not words. Either. I mean, final words then. Hmm. Final words. Um, well, it's been fantastic to talk to you, somebody on a podcast with some experience with Japan. That's um, that's that's really cool. Um, my time I spent over there, I I really cherish it as um, some wonderful memories, experiences, and adventures. So it's been very cool to uh, to chat with you. I really appreciate it. It's been a ton of fun. It's it's rare that I get to speak to somebody that has like real knowledge of like the Japanese industry and things like that. Thank you oh. very much. Hey, likewise. Thanks for having me on there. And to everybody listening, um, stay tuned for some new great stuff from Stryker this year and hope to see you on the road. This has been an interview with Stryker bassist Pete Klassen on Sunday, January 9th, 2022 by Nick Perkel. Shred.